Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. We're actually starting a new book today, but before we do, we've got a little update on the Bible Savvy app. You know how like you start, you try a new, like a new meal, right? Like you find a recipe, you try something out, you put it in the oven and it's cooking, you take it out, it looks nice, looks done. Looks like you could dig right into it, but you cut into it and it's just completely raw in the inside, like uncooked. That's essentially what happened with the Bible Savvy app. Um, (laughs) Is that how you make apps? You cook them? Is that... Well, no, but that's kind of like the best analogy I can come up with this. We thought it was a good thing, come out looking really great. And then as soon as we started to play around with it, we found some undone parts. It wasn't quite ready for release. (laughs) The problem was we served it up to company. And so now we've got to explain on the air that uh, at the moment... Uh, the app is is not available. Yes. So we gave people app food poisoning. Yeah, and so we're taking it away from you in the hopes of, you know, doing doing a better job at providing something a little a little a little better for all of you to enjoy. Yeah. Here's what we're not putting it back in the oven. Yes. We are getting a new recipe. We're getting a brand new recipe. A, that's that's, yeah. that's yeah. a good way to put it. Okay. Bummer. Yeah. Bummer. Bummer. Complete bummer. So keep your eyes out. We'll we'll update you when uh, when the new ones when the new ones back in the oven. It took us a long time to release an app that was not fully cooked. Yeah. So how long does it take <laughs> us to release an app that is fully cooked? I have no idea. Okay. Well, we, we better not we better not commit to anything. No. So we'll, we'll, it'll come back to us. Yep. So what's the passage, guys? Yeah, what's what the are passage, we talking about? Eric? <laughs> Luke chapter 1. We are in a new book of the Bible. We are in the Gospel of Luke. And so, as always, because it is the point of this podcast, we are going to use the comma method. The C in the comma method is context. And so here we go. We're starting a new book of the Bible. And so it is a gospel. And so you ask yourself, well, what is a gospel? It is a genre of writing. And so, Clayton, if I want to understand how different genres work and how I might read them effectively, where might I find such help? Well, I would start with BibleSavvy.com. So we've got a bunch of uh, context information there, um, both uh, introductions to books and things like that, but also a guide to the different types of writing that you find in the Bible, whether it's poetry or prophecy or stories or so on. Uh, You can find uh, info about how to read Gospels there. Um, you can also find some of that info in Pastor Jim's books uh, where uh, he describes uh, the different kinds of uh, literature in, uh, you know, you find in the Bible. Ah, oh, yes. The origins of the whole mm-hmm. Bible savvy movement, the Bible savvy books. That's right. So there are four little books as a part of the Bible savvy series, and one of them is called Context. Yep. And in that short little book, it talks about all the different genres in the Bible and how they function differently and how you read them differently. Obviously, we know these kinds of things. You don't read Ikea instructions the same way you read poetry. You expect it to function in a different way. And so it's really helpful for your brain when you're reading the Bible to remember that you're reading a certain genre. And of course, probably no surprise for everyone that listens to this podcast, we're also going to talk about the Bible Project videos right now because they're very helpful when you're starting to read a new book of the Bible 
to wrap your head around all of the context, the people, the place, the history, the archaeology, what the heck is going on. And so, Clayton, Bible Project videos, yeah. you know something about the Gospel of Luke that I did not know so they, when we walked in. They uh, normally do, for every book of the Bible, kind of an overview that kind of draws the outline of the book, you know, kind of the structure of the book. Uh, they did that with the Gospel of Luke, but they also released an entire series, kind of a, a you know multi-video series covering the different sections of the book. It's beautiful. It's a gorgeous, uh, like like animated in kind of their more, uh, you know, artistic style that they do. Um, and it covers the story really well. It gets a lot of the themes in there. You could actually probably watch it uh, as we go through because it does different sections of the book. So when we get to a new section, you could jump in on that. But uh, definitely worth checking out. I think we've got links to those at BibleSavvy.com as well. All right, so we're starting a new book of the Bible, the Gospel of Luke, and we have already said you could, A, go to BibleSavvy.com or get the context book from the Bible Savvy book series and learn about how to read specific genres in the Bible. We just talked to you about Bible Project videos. You can also, if you have a good study Bible, which we are always, always, always saying is a very helpful thing to have, the difference between a Bible and a study Bible. When we say study Bible, it means study Bibles have tools in them that help you understand what you're reading. And so if you have a good study Bible, like the NIV study Bible, uh, you can, before you start reading chapter one, verse one of any book you're starting, read the introduction. There's a reason it's there. It will help you with all of the context and set you up from the beginning to understand what you are reading. So we are in Luke chapter one. Now, let me just set up the brief storyline context. There's not a lot because we're just in chapter one. Uh, an angel appears to Zechariah and Zechariah and Elizabeth are old and they are told that they are going to have a child and this child is going to be a prophet, much like Elijah was a prophet. And if you think about back in the day, Abraham, where the, he was told, you're going to have a kid. And they're thinking, uh, we're really old. This isn't going This isn't going to happen. And so this is what's happening with Zechariah and Elizabeth. Elizabeth becomes pregnant with whom we know is John the Baptist, the great prophet. Then an angel shows up to Mary and says, you are going to have a child. But what the angel tells Mary is, that your child is going to be son of the most high and he will sit on the throne of his father, David. Now we've just gone through the books of first Samuel and second Samuel exploring the life of David. And so you're probably already thinking going, okay, well, that's the Messiah. That's the promised King. This is the King that's going to come and make everything right. This is going to be the eternal King. And so this is a big deal. So Mary is told you're going to have a kid. This kid is going to be the Messiah. So you have Elizabeth, who is now pregnant with John the Baptist, and Mary, who is pregnant with Jesus. And the two of them meet. And the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps when Mary and Jesus in her womb show up. And the spirit comes upon Elizabeth, and she says some prophetic things. But then Mary... Mary has this, it's called Mary's Song in the NIV Study Bible. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to read Mary's Song, and then I'm going to point out a footnote in the NIV Study Bible, and we're going to do something slightly different today as we explore this text. So Clayton is going to read Mary's Song in Luke chapter 1. All right. Luke 1 starts in verse 46. And Mary said, 
My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Then Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and returned home. All right, so at the very beginning of Mary's song, in the NIV study Bible, and it's not one of these little tiny footnotes, like, you know, you have these little superscript tiny letters that you need your reading glasses to be able to see. And then you go to the center column in your study Bible, and that points you towards another verse or portion of the Bible that is somehow connected to what you're reading. Here, it's not just those little tiny letters. I mean, it very, very much in your face with larger text as 1 Samuel 2, 1 to 10. And so it's like your NIV study Bible is saying, hey, you should go look at this. So when you're reading in your Bible and your study notes or your footnotes are saying, Psst, hey, you should go look at this. You know what you should probably do? What should they probably do, Nikki? Um, <laughs> you, you weren't paying attention I was at all. This, I, was trying, I was trying to pronounce his name. That, wait, what? Wait. Whose name? <laughs> Whose name? You, you, well, you, you, you just you said, no, what was so, that, that river? Yep, yep, right. So yep, you, just said, you just said 2 Samuel 1 to 10, but the passage that I printed out went to 11. And so I looked and I went, oh, I got 11 no, here. First, first Samuel 2, <laughs> yeah. and then first I got Samuel this, 2, 1 to 10. Right, right. Yes. But I got verse, it goes to 11 on my page. I went, oh, I, I sh- okay. And then I went, oh, look at that name. I wonder how you pronounce it. I'm sorry. That was, a, that was a beautiful moment. That's like when a teacher in class calls on the kid that they know is napping. I really didn't know that, I was like, that Nikki was like fully focused on Al- something else. Al-Kana? I don't know. Sorry. Gosh. We had such a streak going. I'm so sorry. When, whenever I, I cue you up and I say, <laughs> how, how would they reach out to us? And you say, at. Podcast at Bible Saturday. I almost I expected was, that. <laughs> I was waiting for that kind of response. All right. So whenever your, your study Bible is saying, hey, you should go look at this other passage. You should go look at that other passage. That's what I was looking for. All right, so when you're reading Mary's song, at the, at the very top, it says 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, which is sending us back to something that we should be familiar with because we just got done in the Bible Savvy Reading Plan reading First and Second Samuel. The very beginning of 1 Samuel, we have Hannah's prayer. Hannah desperately wanted a child and told God, if you give me a child, I will dedicate my child to the Lord's service. And so we have Hannah's prayer at the beginning of 1 Samuel. For some reason, the NIV study Bible is saying, hey, as you're reading Mary's song, you should go back and look at Hannah's prayer. So that's what we're going to do today in this podcast episode. And I'll just give you, this is a little bit of a a spoiler, but it appears to be that Mary's song in many ways is modeled after Hannah's prayer. So here's what we're going to do. Now Clayton's going to read Hannah's prayer, and we're going to do a little compare and contrast between Mary's song and Hannah's prayer. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. 
There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for food, but those who are hungry are hungry no more. She who is barren has borne seven children, but she who had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Okay, so we are in the O of the comma method now, which is observation, which is really just about reading well, reading with curiosity, looking at what you're reading. And sometimes the way that you do that is you follow some of these footnotes, you bounce around, you you go on a little adventure. So I wonder, Clayton, if you remember these. I don't know if Nikki will, because we're, we're a little bit older, so this might be revealing how old we are, but do you remember Choose Your Own Adventure books? Oh, totally. Like at school, they had a whole like shelf of them, and you'd go and you'd, you'd pick them up, and you could read the book like multiple times, because... You were choosing your own adventure. It was awesome. So these books, Nikki, do you remember these no. at all? Have you ever read one of these? So, no. so you're, you're reading along in the book and it will, you will come up on a decision. It, it's kind of like, uh, what are the, what are the video games called when you do this? Like when you're like, like first, a, first a, a person. Normal video game? <laughs> no, like to me, normal video role games playing. are like role Mario play. Kart. Yeah. To a me, that's a normal game. video yeah. game. Yeah. yeah role, role playing game. games yeah. where you can like, you're, yeah, I know you're, those. you're choosing who you talk to and are you going to go fight this person? Or are you going to walk down this path? Right. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, choose your own adventure books were kind of the same way. So it'd be like, you'd be reading along and then you get to the end of the page and say, if you want to walk up the stairs, turn to page 47. If you want to go into the kitchen, turn to page 52. And so you could read the same book a lot of different ways and there ends up with, with multiple endings. So sometimes I think about study Bible footnotes that way, mm-hmm. where it's kind of choose your own adventure Bible reading and just enjoy it. Yeah. Right, and so you're reading. You're reading in Luke chapter one, and you see at the very beginning of Mary's song, it's telling you, "Hey, go go read First Samuel chapter two. And you might be and you might be interested in doing it. Like, I wonder why it's sending me there. Or you might be reading your Bible out of a sense of guilt or obligation. You're like, "Well, if I go to First Samuel chapter two, I'm really supposed to be reading Luke chapter one today. And if I don't technically do all of my reading that." the schedule tells me to read, does it actually count? Let me just strip away that kind of thinking about your Bible reading. And one of the things we want you to do, and the reason we do this podcast is we want you to enjoy your Bible reading. Enjoy, learn, and apply. And so sometimes you just go on a choose your own adventure. And so that's what we're doing today in this podcast episode. Uh, All right. So we read Mary's song. We read Hannah's prayer. Now, we're in the observation portion of comma. Let's just do this. Let's do a compare and contrast. So what are some similarities that you see between Mary's song and Hannah's prayer? Uh, right off the 
right from the, the from the get go, verse verse. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. That's Mary's song. And then Hannah says, "My heart rejoices in the Lord, and the Lord, my horn is lifted high." Uh, it's just that they open up with these, you know, exclamations of praise. Yeah, uh, I see the uh, shared theme of the humble and the proud. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's both, that seems to be both like an attitude, people who think they're pretty great, you know, the proud, the proud in their, their, uh, thoughts of their hearts or whatever it says. Um, but also like humility, like it's not just their attitude is low, but they're actually in like a humble state. They're, they're, uh, in a, they're poor or they're, um, oppressed in some way. Like they're in society, they're on the lower rung. And so there is this combination of the people who think they're high and mighty and the people who are low and downtrodden. Yeah, we, we also see like a, a really cool picture of um, God's sovereignty. So, you know, like uh, he has performed, like he has brought down, he has filled the hunger, the hungry, he has helped uh, his servant. And, you know, the other one, it's in the other one in First Samuel, um, the Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up, you know, uh, it's that he's sovereign over everyone and everything. Yeah, that's really good. What else? Similarities. Uh, there's reversal. You know, the, there's the, it's uh, flipping things on their head. So, like the, the the humble and proud thing is to say, actually, God swapped the, their places. You know, and so it's got poor who are being rich. It's got uh, people who are barren, uh, having children. It's got uh, the the princes are coming down, and the the poor are being seated with princes. They both have these like repeated different kinds of reversals of fortune. Yeah, and so if you take the sovereignty of God observation and the reversal observation, and you see God removing leaders, lifting high people, giving grace to the humble, but understanding who's proud, that somehow God in his sovereignty makes everything right. Yeah, he looks at the situation that we should say, oh, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And then he, he's the one who puts it back together. It's, uh, and, he, and he sees through kind of the appearances of things too. You know, it looks like, hey, these people are doing all right for themselves. And God says, no, no, this is not where it should be. Another thing that I saw in verse 48 of Mary's song, um, she says, for he has been mindful. Mm. Um, And you see over here in 1 Samuel uh, verse 3, it says, for the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. And I think of like, oh, that just shows... It shows a God who is close and personal, like he's aware, he's compassionate, he's considerate, he's concerned. Um, he knows what's going on. He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful. That's a, that's a great observation. That is a good one. I, I noticed the um, in verse 2 of Hannah's prayer, it says, there's no one holy like the Lord. And then uh, Mary says that in verse 49 as well. Uh, Mighty one is dead in great things. Holy is his name. Uh, both of both of the the same attributes are mentioned there in terms of God's holiness, and I think uh, His might, His strength is is mentioned in both of them as well. Man, you guys are rolling. Anything else on the similarities? <laughs> Take that as a resounding <laughs> no. Well, okay, so this is not a similarity uh, between um, the the content of the song, but the situation, right? Like you, we've already kind of highlighted that. Hannah wants children and can't have them. 
And and then we've also got the story of Elizabeth who comes right before Mary. So she's in the scene there. And then Mary, who is a virgin, so she can't have children. So like there's all of these miraculous births going on. And then Hannah actually, or let me say, no, it's Mary actually mentions Abraham, which is that it goes back to the original, you know, barren woman who was promised a child. And so um, you've got that whole theme running through of the miraculous child, uh, the promised one, and uh, God delivering out of a situation that would have been impossible. So when you're reading Mary's song and you're looking at all of the footnotes, if you start counting them, if you count the number of verses and the number of lines, every single line has an Old Testament reference. So this is a real, this is a really interesting thing to think about. It, it, it's kind of in the world of speculation, but it's in terms of reading your Bible and having fun thinking about it. If Mary's song, I can actually count with, with the footnotes, 12 different Old Testament passages. Mm-hmm. So you have Mary's song that looks like it is very much modeled after Hannah's prayer. And there's a ton of similarities between the two. And it looks like there's an awful lot of Old Testament reference. And so you ask yourself, was Mary a genius? <laughs> <laughs> was, was she operating just like a few verses prior when it says uh, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit? Is this a Holy Spirit kind of thing? How much of the Old Testament scriptures did Mary know that it, this song just comes out of her and it is just, the whole song is just filled with the content of the promised Messiah from the Old Testament? Yeah. It, well, I, okay. So when you, you think about, have you ever been in like a, a situation where people are praying and there's like a person who prays and they, yep. they use language that you know came from someplace else. <laughs> like it's a spontaneous prayer, mm-hmm. but you can tell, oh, wait, wait, wait. You've either been in that church a long time. You've heard people preach this way. And so you're using phrases from the, 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 the sermons that they use a lot. Or it's someone who has sung a lot of hymns and they're dropping in lines or it's, it's from a worship song or something. Yep. Or, uh, or maybe they do actually, you know, it's clear there are someone who memorizes scripture and almost without trying, like if you said, are you trying to quote the Bible right now? Are you trying to quote that hymn or whatever? It just sort of comes out of them because those are the things that went in and shape the way they worship God and pray to God. And then when it, something bubbles out of them in a moment, that's what they have there to pull on. You know, those kind of, I don't want to say stock phrases is the way to put it, but that almost sounds cheap. It's like that deep worn groove that says, this is the way the water flows in my soul. Yeah. Um, it follows those lines. So it makes sense, especially if you are, um, if you're Mary and you've grown up with the Old Testament, you've, uh, if there are songs in the Old Testament, it's likely they have sung them. Like, I don't think Hannah's song was just read. I think they probably reused it. Um, but you do that and you say, okay, I'm thinking about the fact that I'm having a miraculous baby. My relative here, Elizabeth, is having a miraculous baby. Do you, do you have any doubt that she's thinking about these these stories from the Old Testament and has Hannah on her mind already? Mm-hmm. I, absolutely. Like it's it's coming in with her. I, I would agree with that. So as we move on to, let's, we'll do message today. So the M's in the common method are message and meditation and they're interchangeable. So you can try to derive your message first and then think and pray about it, or you can think and pray and ask God, what kind of message do you want me to draw out of this? So you can, you can do those uh, in either order. But before we do that, I want to point out one more thing, and, and that is the societal ramifications of what you see in both Hannah's prayer and in Mary's song. Often we separate out spiritual life from societal life, 
from personal life, from political life. Like we have all of these different lives. The Bible does not intend to do that. And so one of the things we're seeing in both Hannah's prayer and Mary's song is when, when the Messiah comes, that it's not just that our spiritual lives get better. There's a certain way that society is supposed to be. And so the, the reversal isn't just making humble people proud and proud people humble or rich people poor and poor people. It's, it's saying there's a way that society is supposed to work. And so there's a reversal of fortunes in terms of societal influence that God cares about the marginalized and the proud who in some ways think they're God and so they can do whatever they want. God is going to societally make all these things right. Our spiritual lives are supposed to matter for real in the public forum, how societies are built. I was sitting in a, a meeting of, of how oh, is this past weekend with uh, some of our international partners from all over the world. So uh, there were people there from Europe and Haiti and Bangladesh and Nicaragua. And it was really interesting. One of the questions that one of the guys asked was they were talking about how essentially how few Christians there are in Bangladesh percentage-wise. Less than 1% of the nation is Christian. And then in Nicaragua, if you look at the stats, it looks like it's about 79% of the country is Christian. And one of the partners asked this question, and there was an assumption baked in the question that I thought was fascinating. Like I wanted to hijack the whole conversation and just be like, hold on, there's an assumption baked into your question. He looked at one of the representatives from Nicaragua and said, if your country is so Christian, why is it so politically and societally messed up? Mm. His assumption was the more Christians you have, the more society gets put in order. Mm. It was a very interesting yeah. assumption. Now there was an answer about uh, the state of the church in Nicaragua and what does it really mean if someone identifies as a Christian and there's a whole lot of syncretism going on. So a lot of Catholicism is actually mixed with a lot of uh, idolatry and weird, weird things in Nicaragua that we wouldn't say is purely Christian. But the whole point of me sharing that is there was an assumption in that guy's brain and heart that Christianity matters when it comes to society. Yeah, I, I, I just have recently read a couple of history books about uh, running from when the church started into modern times and saying, what, what effect did this actually have? And it, it is remarkable that in the ancient world, you had these highly stratified societies, huge amount of poor people, and in comes the church and suddenly says, you know what? The poor, the slave, the outcast, you know, uh, whoever is on the, the bottom end of the rung, they matter. And so within the church, they were being like, they were made pastors. They were, you know, they became bishops. They became whatever, you know, whatever their, their things of authority within this community, suddenly anybody could have access to it if the God called them to that. And so it was flipping on their head, the expectations of society. And over time, that started to shape the world so that people said, you know what? Actually, when a plague comes through, we don't just abandon the poor and to die. We take care of them. When, uh, you know, a, a baby, you know, their parents die or they're abandoned by their parents, we don't just leave them in the dump. We pick them up, you know? And so those things over time lead to a place where we have things like human rights. Like we think that that's something that everybody kind of knows about, but it comes from this saying, it doesn't matter if they're the person who's in the ash heap, they could sit with princes because they're human. They're people that God cares about. And so like the effect of this is societal. Yeah, probably the most obvious example of that in society is if you're talking about Judeo-Christian ethics, it's part of the answer to why you see so many Jewish and Christian hospitals. Yeah. yeah. 
Christians invented hospitals. They came, it came from us saying, God cares about that. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to, well, let's, I'm changing my mind right now. <laughs> okay. the, the M's are, it's our podcast. We can do whatever we want, right? We can. So let's do meditation first. So let's say you're reading your Bible and you do something like this. You see a footnote, it takes you to another passage. And so you're like, well, why, why does it want me to read Hannah's prayer? And so you read Hannah's prayer and then you go back and you read Mary's song. And so in your own Bible reading, you're, you're reading both of these and, and then you get to the point where you go, all right, well, so what, what do I, what do I do with this? Well, a good way forward might be to say, well, I'm just going to take a few minutes. I'm going to say, Lord, what do you want to show me today? With my, with my Bible exploration. And so let's do that. Meditation is just prayerful thinking. And so in the podcast, we take 45 seconds. And so we have just had a discussion about Hannah's prayer and Mary's song. So it, this is just a wide open meditation today. Lord, what do you want me to see? What do you want me to think? What do you want me to do with these texts today? 45 seconds. So we move on to the second M in the comma method, which is message. What kind of message do you draw from our conversation in the text today? Uh, my message was uh, God knows, he cares, and he acts on behalf of those who worship him through the way they live. So so my thought process with this is in verse 50, you said, uh, Mary says his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And I thought, oh, it extends, like that's past, present, future. And when I look at that concept of like who fear him, uh, fear is like another word for like revere or worship or love or honor. And it's this idea of living in harmony with God's will. Um, and so for me, it's God is a God who knows and he cares and he acts on behalf of those who worship him with their life, all in their life. My message is, okay, so I, I, I changed it at the last second here. So at first I was going to say, Jesus flips the world upside down. And, you know, capture that reversal thing. But yeah. then I realized it's probably better to say it this way. Jesus flips an upside down world upside right. Like that there's there's a, like a place where things are supposed to be and we've gotten it all wrong. Hmm. And the coming of Jesus starts that, that, that flipping back to the way things are supposed to be. Like that there's, there's a restoring, uh, a, a flipping that's going on. And that's so- So uh, whimsical. Yeah. Say it again. Uh, uh, Jesus flips an upside down world upside right. There we go. Like That's that. a t-shirt. Totally. <laughs> Is that what you're thinking, Nikki? <laughs> well, no, but it's what you're thinking. You oh. know, but well, I was thinking like, that you were thinking oh, it. Definitely. So I was thinking it, but it That's was a... Assumption? It was an assumption. I <laughs> <laughs> guess I don't know you as well as I thought I did. Uh, mine is coming out of the very first verse in Mary's song, which is, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Because I try to put myself in Mary's situation 
and how shocking and bizarre receiving that message would be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I put that together with how aware that she must have been of the story of God. Yeah. To even be able to put together this song and receiving this, what seemed to be a shocking message, but being able to put all the pieces together and say, all right, the Lord is, the Lord is doing this through me. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so my, my message is God uses ordinary people to accomplish his extraordinary purposes. Yeah. And sometimes it just might be straight up bizarre, crazy, or very humbling. Wow. Wow. Me? Yeah. That's so great. Mm-hmm. I, I, with related to that, I think it's so interesting that she says from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Like they're like, she realized how momentous this is. Yeah. That like ongoing things are going to say, this was, this was a huge moment. What a privilege to be her. And I, I know we're, we're a Protestant church. And so we we're like, we don't have uh, some of the things with, you know, Catholic things about, you know, Mary and that sort of thing. It gets kind of, you know, confusing and messy with that. Um, but sometimes we react in a way that we miss how extraordinary it is that Mary, uh, like uh, in a pivotal moment, was someone who was chosen by God to do this. Um, so I actually, I think about this where, um, like when we get to heaven, like to, to actually meet Mary and be like, thank you for saying yes to that. Like that's that was a huge thing. Like, like that's that. It all generations are going to call you blessed because you were Jesus's mom. Like, this is really cool. So I'm looking forward to meeting her. Oh, you know what you just did to my brain, though. You just made me think. Well, what if she would have said no? <laughs> <laughs> Which it would you be know, a whole different, a whole, pod, different story. whole different podcast episode. A lot of kids would that would not be named Mary. So true. So somebody else would have <laughs> that, chosen, right? That's your what if? Well, like Mary is such a hugely popular name throughout history, but it wouldn't have happened. Someone else. Never thought about that. All right. The a, Those are the kind of things Clayton thinks. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. The A and the comma method is application. So what do we do with this text? Um, for me, my application was to rejoice in the Lord more. Um, what, what I mean by that is to recount, to remember, like what Mary is doing here um, in this song, like the goodness of God and like what he's done. And we, we kind of talked about that a little earlier. It's like, what have I read in scripture? What have I experienced in my life that God has done that I can remember and recount and rejoice in that um, to kind of help me again, remind me that God knows and he cares and he acts on behalf of those who who worship him through the way that they live. And, and hopefully by remembering that, it will, it will inform how I act and what I think and what I do and, and able to, to live in accordance with his will. And I think that's that's a, a big part of also what we were talking about too, is that that affects society and that, that influences uh, and, and, you know, kind of blesses the people around you, not only yourself, but other people benefit from your, you living in accordance with God's will as well. So that's, that's pretty, pretty cool. My application based on the idea of Jesus flipping the world upside right. Um, it's to actually believe him when, when he says like, I'm, I might work in the person who seems like they're unimportant or un, not influential or down and out or whatever. Like if Jesus really says, that's where my kingdom's going to come, I'm going to do that. So Jesus got close to children and women who are on the margins and people who are poor and people who were uh, disabled, people who are sick, all of those sorts of things. And the, the reality is like, this is, this is just being honest. Like 
we're, we're in leadership, like the three of us, you know? And so there is a certain tendency to say, who can I find who's going to be influential? Cause that'll be helpful for the strategic things we're doing. And it's, it is so important to say, you know what? Like Jesus, the most, the most significant person who had the most important mission in the world. Like he spent a lot of time just being close to someone who society would have said they're not helpful, influential, whatever, because he knew that in the kingdom of God, they, they were going to be seated with princes. And so I like even just intentionally drawing near to people who society might ignore um, is a deliberate choice I've got to make. My application based on my message, which is God uses ordinary people to accomplish his extraordinary purposes. My application is to remind myself that God just might be doing something today that's going to have an impact that goes way beyond the person that's in front of me. And so if you think about it in terms of parenting or in our professional lives, which is church leadership, it's not just about what's going to happen tomorrow. It's the long-term effects of what God could do through your life in a conversation with someone, which then could turn into this thing that blesses someone else. And so just to remind myself that today matters because God is going to use today to accomplish his purposes tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. It's good. Very good. All right. Well, thanks for listening this week. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule. And in the meantime, if you're not following along, uh, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it to start reading along. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week.